Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, where we talk about how to design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. You can find out all the tips, tactics, and techniques you need to get more customers and sell more stuff over at theactivemarketer.com. Now, here's your host, Barry Moore. Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, brought to you by theactivemarketer.com, home of the best-selling active campaign training online. If you're interested, head over to theactivemarketer.com forward slash AC training and get yourself signed up and learn how to really make active campaign work for you. Now this week, uh, we're going to go uh, in heavily into the automation kind of section here, uh, but not with Active Campaign. If you've been using uh, any of your marketing tools lately, you realize quickly that you need to get all your tools talking to each other. I need to get my shopping cart talking to Active Campaign, need to get Active Campaign talking to a CRM or membership site or whatever it happens to be. Um, you need a bit of glue or you need a bit of a switchboard um, to get all past that information back and forth between all the different SaaS apps that we use. You know, there's giant proliferation of software as a service apps, uh, and it seems that more and more creep into your business every day. So um, we really need to find, find out great ways to make that information portable between those different apps. And then who better to talk to that? Then Mike Noop over at Zapier. Um, if you're not familiar with Zapier, it allows you to hand off information between different applications. But even if you have been using Zapier for a while, what you might have missed is uh, over the last kind of, uh, I don't know, six months, eight months, nine months or so, they've been rolling out a bunch of new stuff that makes it super easy um, to really use Zapier to get down deep in automating a whole bunch of different things. They've got multi-step zaps, which will allow you to, um, as the name implies, change information, pass information, move information uh, into multiple systems all within one single zap. Uh, and the other cool thing is their digest um, zap, where you can, your digest feature, where you can grab information from around the internet um, collate that into kind of a digest that you send yourself every day or week or whatever it is that you want to be. So rather than running around trying to find information in different parts of the web or different apps every day or week, uh, you can get the digest feature to do that. So Mike Noop, uh, one of the founders of Zapier, uh, is going to talk about all those things. And another interesting thing about Zapier is it's completely a virtual company. They don't have an office. Uh, and they've got a lot of employees so uh, we talked a little bit about how they use Zapier themselves and how they run a virtual business uh, with dozens of employees um, and no face-to-face meetings. All right, so let's get into this week's episode with Mike Noop of Zapier. All right, I'd like to welcome to the show Mike Noop, co-founder, chief product officer at Zapier. Mike, welcome. Yeah, thanks, Barry. Thanks for having me. Man, I'm excited to have you on because you know Zapier is kind of like the glue that holds the whole <laughs> the whole internet together. It seems like these days. So, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people really underutilize the tool as well. There's lots of really cool stuff um, that you can do with Zapier. So, love to get you on and we'll talk a little bit about Zapier and um, kind of uh, with some of the more advanced features. And I'm dying to know how you, as a co-founder, are using it yourself. And um, a little bit of a roadmap for, for where you're heading in the future. Does that sound cool? Absolutely. Happy to dive in. 
Uh, all right, Mike. Uh, for those people who maybe aren't familiar with the Zapier story, which is pretty interesting in and of itself, um, how did you guys come to found Zapier? Yeah, so uh, Zapier, there's three three co-founders, uh, myself, Brian, and Wade. Um, and we started way back in uh, 2011, so we've been around for a little over five years now. And kind of the, the like genesis of Zapier was actually Brian and Wade um, were working at, and actually I was too part-time, working at this like mortgage company in uh, Missouri. And Brian and Wade were both like, they're on the marketing side, so they're doing a lot of marketing automation, building like working with a lot of APIs. Um, and I was working with a lot of APIs in the job I was doing too, dealing with Facebook. And I think they had like a conversation that went something like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if there was a way that like I could just automate and like have a UI to do a lot of parts of my job. I made the right code to do it. Um, and they kind of tossed it back and forth. And I'd been like getting beers with Brian for a couple months at this point. And there was a startup weekend. It was the very first startup weekend that um, was going to be hosted in Columbia, Missouri. And I uh, messaged Brian and said, hey, are you showing up to this thing? He said, yeah, I decided to show up too. Um, and the three of us kind of got together and Brian pitched it. And I was like, oh, man, this is like I would use that too. Um, so, okay, yeah, met up that weekend, worked on it, hacked on a weekend and ended up um, uh, winning that weekend. And it kind of gave us the momentum to keep working on it um, for kind of like nights and weekends. Uh, over the next maybe eight months or so, it was basically kind of a nights and weekends kind of thing. Um, you know, we'd get wrap up our full time jobs. I was still a student at the time and get done with class at like five and we go like find some office space somewhere and like hack on Zapier for another six or seven or eight hours uh, you know, until midnight, one, two a.m. Uh, and then wake up and do it the next day. Um, and we did that for, uh, like I said, several months um, until we got accepted into uh, Y Combinator. Uh, that was in Very summer cool. of 2012. Uh, and that moved us from Missouri out to California. And right at the beginning of that summer is also when we, we uh, launched Zapier publicly uh, in summer 2012, May 2012. Um, and we've just been kind of uh, growing ever since. It kind of pushed us full time. And how many, how many staff do you have now? Uh, so we're up to 70, 70 teammates um, wow. today. And uh, yeah, so three, three to 70 in those years. Um, and I guess one, one unique thing too is um, Zapier is a 100% uh, remote company. So we don't have any, there's no headquarters basically. Um, the, the three founders are in the Bay Area, but we have like uh, the other 65, 70 people are all over the world, um, 10 or 15 outside the U.S. and the rest in Canada and the U.S. Uh, clearly, that was a deliberate decision. But um, what have you have you found? What are the big challenges of that and what are the big benefits? What are the big payoffs for versus challenges? For oh, yeah. Completely I mean, remote? Number, number one payoff is that you get to hire the best people anywhere they are. Right. Um, you know, you don't have to convince them to move somewhere. You don't have to like get someone to the end of your hiring funnel and say like, okay, well, we can hire this person only if we can convince them to like, you know, move to some city or the Bay Area or something like that. Um, you know, we, we can basically look at all the people who apply and pick the very best person and, you know, make a good, compelling offer for them to join the company. And oftentimes uh, the answer is yes. So, yeah, that's really the big, huge benefit of, of like remote work is that, um, I mean, there, there's like quite, you know, quite a few downsides too. Um, you know, you can't, you have to be like transparent here. Communication is always a tough thing. It's, um, you have to be really explicit with your communication processes, like how you write stuff down, how you document stuff, um, how teams uh, collaborate and communicate. Um, I think the big takeaway is like, you know, there's like a couple different types of communication that you fall back to, uh, just in any, any job you've got, like, really low bandwidth communication, doing like text only, um, moving up in communication to like uh, audio and video. And then like the highest bandwidth communication is like in person. Um, and of course, as you move up in bandwidth, it also moves up in like interruption and distraction. 
um, you know, somebody walks over to you and a co-located uh, company and like taps you on the shoulder and like, yeah, you can have a great conversation and learn what you need to know, but you've also just been like interrupted um, in real time. And like in-person companies default to the highest mode of bandwidth, right? In-person communication, but they also like the highest distraction and remotes the opposite, right? Remote defaults to actually like nobody talks to each other at all, right? right if you right. don't have a reason to share information, like their tendency is not to share something. Um, so I, that's the biggest thing in remote is you just have to be really explicit about knowing and working with people on like when they need to like move up the communication bandwidth chain. You know, when is it appropriate to get on an audio or video call from just our like Slack conversations? When is it even maybe appropriate to like schedule an in-person meeting somewhere? You know, uh, we do two company team retreats a year for like culture and team building. And that's one of those like explicit things we say, even though we're remote, it's still worth it to get in person every now and then. Yeah, very cool, for sure. As, have there been many employees who just kind of couldn't fit into that model of uh, completely remote that just didn't work out? Um, no one, like we're pretty upfront about like what what it's like to work at a remote company. It's actually one of the things we like screen for when we're hiring. Um, and one of the pieces of advice I always give to like teammates when they're possibly going to join Zapier is I, I tell them like, hey, you know, I, I know in a lot of like co-located jobs, um, there's a strong tendency for that company to kind of like, you know, replace friends in your family relationships. Like you build your really tight relationships with your coworkers mm. and that's hard to do in a remote company. So you kind of have to augment your work at Zapier with uh, relationships outside the company, you know, whether that's family, uh, uh, friends or family, coworkers, a support group, um, uh, you know, sports activities, whatever it needs to be. Like you got to have something outside of work um, just because like a fully remote team doesn't often satisfy that like, that same need that you might get in like a, a in-person company. Right. And just cause I'm, I love talking about tools. What kind of um, tools are you using to manage all those remote workers? I mean, like what's, what's the kind of the stack that keeps Zapier going day to day other than Zapier, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's um, three, three big things we use. Um, we use uh, Slack, of course. Uh, this is basically um, our office essentially <laughs> is Slack, our day to day. Uh, conversation. We also use a tool called uh, Quip, um, which kind of hosts our greenfield, like evergreen documentation. Um, it documents like processes in the company. It documents like how we work. Uh, this is great for like new teammates, right? Because this content is always there and available. Sorry, what was that called? Uh, Quip, Q-U-I-P uh, dot yep. com. Yep. Um, and then the third tool is actually a tool that we built ourselves. Um, it's a tool we call Async. And async uh, originally the inspiration for this was um, really Zapier. I talked to uh, the folks over at WordPress at Automatic, and they used a tool internally because WordPress is also a fully remote team. So I was curious how they did their um, communication structure. And they had this tool they built on top of WordPress called P2, which is almost like an internal Twitter feed for the entire company. Um, it, it was like a layer essentially on top of live chat, right? It was a way for people to like have a little bit more in-depth conversations um, that wasn't so quite like fast paced and chat based. And this was actually, this has been one of the most effective tools we've, we've built. And, um, we put a lot of emphasis on this internally, um, is this tool async where it's kind of like the slow thinking version of Slack. Um, you know, Slack, <laughs> is very, our, our social expectation is like, you don't need to keep up with everything in Slack, just bar none, right? Like there's just too much noise. There's too many conversations going like no expectation to keep up with anything other than maybe like direct messages. Um, whereas async is the flip side. Async is more of like, this is where curated work gets published. And this is the stuff you actually do want to like spend time reading through and getting context on like the topics that matter for your, for your job. Um, 
uh, Danny, my, uh, one of my teammates, he has a great way of like uh, laying out these tools where he says Slack is for talking about your work and async is for showing your work. Right. And quit is for like documenting it at the end of the day. Um, which I think really helped, like, you know, it gives you a lot of direction, like which tool you should use for what kind of communication you want to have. Cool. Yeah. I'm just super interested in, in like how you keep remote te- teams kind of going and all on the same page and all in the same direction. I imagine that's a lot harder than you yeah. might think. <laughs> right. Yeah. Write a lot down. That's probably the number one tip there. Yeah. Documentation and communication being explicit. Uh, well, going back to Zapier, uh, for, uh, for a little bit. So I yep. think, like I said, I think most, most of the listeners are probably familiar with kind of the, you know, A to B type of zaps, um, mm-hmm. you know, Stripe purchase equals putting someone into active campaign or something. Um, yep. but I'd like you to drill down cause there's a whole lot, a whole lot more cool stuff you can do with Zapier. So, um, recently one of the, one of the newer features I think probably is digest. You want to talk a little bit about what digest is and how that works? Yeah, happy to. Um, I, and I guess I kind of like the meta thing here too, is this is a, this is a trend that we've been kind of working on. We've been adding a lot more, um, like built in features and apps to Zapier. Uh, this has all been enabled by, um, the multi-step zaps that we launched at the beginning of, of last year. Okay. Um, let's, well, actually let's, let's do that. Let's circle back around to the multi-step ones first and yeah, then we'll sure. come back to the other stuff. And, and there's another good point in there I want to loop back to at some point is that like, you know, most people think Zapier is just the glue of, you know, this app to that app, but there's actually some, a lot of native built in stuff in that Zapier mm-hmm. does itself as a, as a, yep, like, like digest is a yeah, great example. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go back. Let's, let's, let's wind the clock back, clock back a little bit to uh, the multi-step zaps. So uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So multi-step zaps were um, a, a really big initiative for the company. When we launched that at the beginning of last year, that was probably like the biggest change to Zapier's product in like the history of Zapier. Um, like our, our usage and types of personas of like what people use Zapier for, like pretty dramatically changed. Um, as you pointed out, like uh, that one-to-one connection, right? One trigger, one action was kind of our model, our go-to model for several years. And it allowed us to grow the company up to a certain point, but to kind of the types of usage we started to hear requests for um, over the years was, I, I want to do more with my zaps, right? You've got all these apps on our, on Zapier. Um, that's great. Like you've got hundreds and 700 of them now. Um, I want to do more with it. I want to be able to like actually build entire workflows in Zapier. I want to set up workflow automation software. Um, so that was kind of, that was the impetus for building multi-step apps and giving people the power to connect, not just one action to a trigger, but to do like multiple actions. And once you start having the ability to do multiple actions, um, it opens up the door for like different types of actions and what was possible before. Um, in the past, you know, when we had one to one, it was always trigger off of a new item and create a new item. Yeah. Uh, right? T- take a new form entry and create a new contact in active campaign. Um, these days we can do a lot more cool stuff. So we've got, um, like we've got transforms, we've got, uh, searches where you can look up data. Uh, a really cool example would be like take a form entry from, uh, like unbounce or something and then, uh, take the email address from that and like run it through Clearbits API and like get, you know, look at their first name and last name and maybe take their first name and last name and look them up inside your active campaign uh, uh, tool and see if they exist and like get a meta property back from that. Maybe it's like, are they paying you or not? And then run that through the zap and say, well, if they're paying me, then I want to like notify the sales team to do something special in this case. Um, and that whole like process can be encapsulated in a single zap. Whereas in the past, I mean, honestly, you couldn't do it. Or if you did and really were hacking around with it, you'd have to have like several zaps with like duct tape connecting them all. Yeah, very cool. And, and yeah, so for those people who aren't familiar with it, like you can do, you know, 
you can automate just so much of your workflow, right? So let's say a new Stripe purchase comes in, for example, then you, you want to put that person into active campaign, which, you know, typically would kind of end there in the past before the multi-step ones. But then now mm-hmm. you might want to, as you said, uh, as a second step in that or a third step in that zap, uh, push that person into zero into your accounting system, um, you know, and create an invoice in the accounting system and then filter it. Yeah. If they're a VIP, you know, if they've got like a tag inside active campaign that says, you know, the status VIP, then you might want to send an SMS to your salespeople to, 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 um, yep. to follow up with a call, uh, and then, you know, then take that information, put it into a spreadsheet that you're going to use for reporting afterwards. And that can all be in one zap, uh, now, which is pretty, yep. pretty epic, pretty, 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 pretty cool. Um, you got it exactly right. I was surprised actually when we launched multi-step apps. We, I, I was kind of trying to take my own internal guesses of like how many, like what's the you know average number of steps going to be? How many steps are people going to do? What's like the maximum number we're going to see on this app? And you know, I, I think I at the time last year pegged it like, okay, like a really heavy user of workflows is going to maybe use like ten steps on their app. Um, we, I, I've been running the numbers over like the last uh, year, just been looking at like the really high end of our usage. And right now, the longest zap uh, with the, the longest zap by number of steps has like 90 steps on it. Holy cow. So, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, this is like a humongous like task job that Zapier is doing. Um, I think in that case, it, like Zapier is actually running like a part of their company. <laughs> like, I don't think it's any, it's no longer just like simple personal, like workflow automation. I think it's actually powering something like critical for their business at that point. Yeah. It's probably some coder that got hired into a company and he's just built his app to replace himself. And he's sitting out by the pool, reading a book or something. Zapier is just doing, and I hope so. Zapier's doing his job. Yeah. That's a story I've heard a lot where, um, you know, users, uh, who might, might not know how to code. I think this is a great case for like marketing automation where it's like, you know, it's like marketing automation could be written as code, right? Um, you could get an engineer to do it, but Zapier lets you uh, build this automation without having to know how to code. And once you see the end result of like the automation, um, maybe you want to customize it a little bit. Maybe you want to host it somewhere else. Maybe you want to have it be a little bit more powerful. And it's kind of Zapier like a Zapier can be like a gateway to learning how to code or learning to do that more powerful stuff. Yeah, and 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 not just for business processes uh, either, but like for all the little tedious tasks you have to do. Uh, that every day that surround your business process as well. Um, oh so, yeah. I've got great examples there. <laughs> yeah. So I was just going to say, let's share some examples of some of the cool things you've seen the users build, or I'd be super interested in, you know, you as a co-founder and obviously you're in, embedded in Zapier every day. What, what are you using the product for? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, I found my, my Zapier usage, uh, especially over the, over the last year has like changed pretty dramatically after we launched like multi-steps apps. Um, one of, one of my ones that I rely on the most. So my, my, my role in Zapier is I'm the chief product officer. So I, I help all of our product managers, um, like set their roadmaps, figure out what to work on next and then uh, execution, helping them like actually execute on the roadmaps once they've got it. And one of the, um, like most important things I do is like help also like communicate the progress of the projects, like back to the rest of the company. Uh, on goals and just like roadmap status projects. And I was really, really annoying. Like every Monday I'd, I'd try to, I had like a, a process set up where I tried to go through every project that was in process and get like um, a single update, like a one line update from each person, each team and like sh- uh, surface that back up to the company. And this was taking, I would, I, I ended up by like, before I implemented the zap, I was spending almost like my entire day on Monday 
just doing like grunt work to like chase down updates and like format them into a post to share with the team. Um, and I got a lot of feedback from the company that this was like a really, really valuable thing because they said like I would have no idea what Zapier was working on or have input into if like I didn't read these updates. Um, so I knew the value of it. It was just like a ton of tedious work for me. Um, so I, I set up a couple of zaps that helped me out here. Um, I've got a, a, a schedule zap. Uh, we're talking about in-house apps. One of our in-house apps is a schedule step. It's a trigger where you can say, run this app every, every week, every day, every, every month, whenever you want. Um, and I've got it set to run every Monday where it triggers and it looks at our Trello roadmap. Um, it looks at our, uh, a certain list, a column on our roadmap uh, that's the in-progress. And it loops over every card on Trello and the in-progress column. And it pulls off the members of the card. And um, Trello has got this really cool feature now where they added to power up, they added where you can do like custom fields on a card. Mm-hmm. And we started tagging um, uh, certain cards with uh, whoever's like the lead on the project, basically, you know, whoever's the point person. And it pulls off all the point people, it gets all their like uh, Slack handles. And then it does as another step, it takes that Slack handle and looks them up in our Slack organization to get their like email address. Um, and then emails, it loops over every single person, like emails them or right Actually, I think I have what I have it doing is a Slack reminder. It it sends a Slack reminder to like each person, you know, and for like five minutes from now, make sure that they like add an update to their linked Trello card that it just pulled from. Um, and the cool thing about Slack reminders, other than just like notifications, is Slack reminders like will remind you in ten or fifteen minutes if you haven't done it yet. <laughs> so it was like I, I got to automate my nagging almost. Um, oh, nice. I don't mean this make that sound super negative, but like basically, it took a lot of work off my plate. Um, just collecting and getting updates on every project where now on Mondays, you know, I can go in at a certain time of the day and I know all the updates are going to be there and I just can like uh, run a second zap where it grabs all the updates and formats into a post for our internal blog. Um, and what was like an all day task got cut down into something that takes about 10 to 15 minutes. Very cool. And what are some of the other cool ones you've seen, like some, uh, some users put into play in their business? I think one of my, one of the most, interesting ones. <laughs> if you're looking for like really fun, clever examples, um, have you ever heard of uh, uh, Kanye text or Seinfeld text before? Uh, no. Dot com. It was on product on a while ago um, last year. So this is like a website where you can go and put in like a, a phone number and it's, there's a Stripe form on it and you pay like $5 or something. And the idea is it like randomly generates like Seinfeld quotes or Kanye quotes and it like (laughs) drips them to your phone number over like a 24 hour period or something like this. Um, So like just kind of like a fun service for yourself or like a prank or, you know, like there's a lot of just fun, clever uses for it. And this site is 100% powered by a Zap. This is probably one of those like 90 step Zaps where it's like, you know, the, the trigger is a Stripe payment. And then there's a whole bunch of like steps where it looks up the quotes in a spreadsheet. It randomizes which one it grabs. It, it schedules a, a delay step so that it'll run like, you know, five minutes in the future and then an hour in the future and then four hours in the future. Uh, and then on each of those ends, it also like sends a text message then using Twilio to the phone number that you'd picked. Um, so yeah, like this is like, like literally a small micro business that the entire thing is running on a single app. Um, that's a, that was a pretty awesome example when I ran across that. That's very cool. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, yeah. So yeah if, you, if you get a little bit more like tactical too, there's a lot of marketing automation cases. I know that's probably a little bit more interesting possibly for the people who are listening. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Seinfeld's always good, brother. Um, oh, yeah. Let's loop back to the digest thing, right? So um, we, we started yep. talking about the digest, which is relatively new, what, a couple months old now or something? Um, yeah. So, Walk us through how that works and what you can do with that. 
Yeah, so the digest is uh, the digest is a built-in app that we've built. Um, we have, I think, maybe uh, twenty or twenty-five built-in apps now, and digest is just one of one of many. Um, and what digest allows you to do is you can um, uh, every time a digest step runs, it inserts like some content into a digest. And when you uh, set the digest up the first time, you tell it how long. Or how many items do you want to wait for it to collect before it will release all of the uh, steps of the zap to the final step? Um, so a great example of this would be like um, if you wanted to get, and I actually use this, if you wanted to get like an email in your inbox every night of like all of the mentions of your brand on Twitter, for example, you could set up a, a, a Twitter trigger that watches for brand, mentions of your brand. You run it through a middle step, which is digest and say like, okay, I want this to like release every night at like you know, midnight or 1am or whatever time you want. Um, and then the final step is email where you just email the contents of the output of the digest step to yourself. Uh, and then every morning when you wake up, um, you've got like, you know, uh, basically an email that's got all the content. It, it collects all of the mentions. Every time that zap triggers, it just sends you one output, um, which is pretty new for Zapier's. Most of the in every other case when Zapier runs, you get like one action per time it runs. Um, and digest is the way that you can collect like a lot of inputs and just get a single output, which is um, pretty useful in a lot of cases. Yeah. So you can say like, go grab these 20 things. When you have 20, let me know and send them to me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, yeah, you can do time-based or like number of records based, depending on what your use case is. So yeah, let's talk about some use cases. So, um, you know, like obviously gathering RSS type content, like if you, you normally, if in the morning, if you're going and reading 10 different you know, blogs to find out what's happening in certain markets. Yep. You can just get Zapier to go do that for you and then kind of send you a digest email once in the morning or whatever. What other kind of inputs uh, could there be into, into the digest? Could it be anything? Yeah, uh, it, it, it can be literally any trigger on Zapier. Um, so uh, tw Twitter is a pretty popular one for us um, internally. Uh, we have, uh, I was talking about async earlier. We actually have like an internal API that connects to Zapier so that we can like consume our own content. And a lot of what our teammates do is they'll feed uh, uh, new posts that happen on our internal blog, that tool called async into a digest so that they can just get like a summary feed of everything that happened over the course of like one day in Zapier. Um, I, like a lot of these use cases, the reason they're great is it like allows you to not have to get so distracted in the middle of the day, right? Like everyone has this like notification overload. Um, you know, Slack is especially prone to this where if you don't manage your notifications really well, like every time you get pinged every two minutes <laughs> where something happened, you like just want to switch gears and go check it out. Yeah. And tools like Digest allow you to slow down just a little bit. Um, I've even seen some of our teammates um, hook up Digest through Slack itself. Like you can hook up mentions into Slack uh, in, in case you wanted to actually like have some time off during the day. And like, okay, I need to, just, I need to like close Slack for half of my day and actually do my work, uh, but still want to get like a digest of, you know, places that you were tagged on or, um, you know, if your organization is really large, maybe even set up searches for like keywords that you care about, maybe like projects that are interesting, um, with links back to it. So you can like jump out from the email and, and like pick up the context after you've got it. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Like not only, not only are you saving the time and actually going in, like you said, going and finding all that information yourself, which might take you half a day or whatever, but, um, but compartmentalizing everything, that mental switching cost, if you go through that 40 times a day, you know, ping, oh, I got to go look at this, ping, I got to go look at that, ping, I could, uh, that mental switching cost is killer. It can like just destroy your productivity for in 
a whole day down the drain if you're constantly mentally switching between, you know, getting some work done and responding to notifications. So the fact that you're queuing those all up and having them all come in at one time as opposed to ad hoc different times throughout the day, that'd be killer for your productivity, man. It would just go way up. Yeah. Digest is really often paired too with a lot of our other internal apps. Um, you know, uh, take form software, for example, uh, you know, type form or Google sheets or survey monkey. Um, all of those tools actually have usually some digest functionality in it already, right. Where you can get a notification of all the form entries you got that day. Um, but a lot of times those aren't customizable. So you can actually use Zapier to like go a little bit deeper if that's not meeting your needs in some way. Um, you know, say for example, uh, you only care about like answers one and eight off of the form. Um, and you don't care about the every single form entry. You could set up a app where it's like, okay, trigger off, you know, type form, run that through a formatter step, and like strip out the information I don't need, or um, just strictly like put in just answers one and eight into a digest step, and have that collect all day long, and then release to you once a day. Yeah. Um, you can do a lot of uh, powerful stuff like that. Yeah, it'd be it'd be nice for sales too. We could just have like a digest of all the sales for the day come in, Bing, or mm-hmm. you know, in the yep. morning, close deals on Salesforce, yeah. Pipe Drive, yeah, very cool. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about a little bit. Uh, we'll close out talking a little bit about um, kind of what the future roadmap is. So, uh, you know, what's the what's your vision for Zapier? Where do you want to take it? And kind of, you know, what's coming down the what's coming down the pipe as far as Zapier is concerned? Yeah. So one really interesting trend that we started to see last year when we uh, after we released multi step apps um, is, I guess Zapier has always like traditionally been a tool for individual power users. Um, or at least to, to a tool for individuals, I would say, uh, you know, you have a use case yourself, right? Like Barry, you, you really want to connect these tool tools together. You, you search it out online, you, you find Zapier, you set up a zap and like turn it on and it's like doing its job, right? For you just all day long. Um, after we le- released multi-step zaps, the type of usage we noticed started to change because I, a lot of times when people are setting up with workflow automation, it's not just involving them. Usually workflows involve like multiple teammates, right? Um, and the type of what we started to see was a lot of users were actually using our like our accounts to uh, aggregate usage across several people. It wasn't just like the them. They were pulling in teammates, right? They were pulling in other close organizational teammates so that they could be a part of the process. And today, like Zapier doesn't do a great job of supporting that use case. You basically have to have a shared login. <laughs> um, we, we don't have any sense of team accounts. So one of the really big initiatives we're working on this year is uh, getting like team accounts out the door so that you can actually like share zaps with uh, your coworkers and actually have them like help build zaps. There's like shared billing across the board for everyone um, just to like get some of those collaboration features that people are starting to use with multi-step zaps and workflow automation, like, uh, you know, make the product a little bit easier for actually doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's very cool. And, and where do you see, uh, where do you see the, you know, competition for you guys coming in as far as in that kind of, you know, API automation space? Yeah, good question. Um, this is like, uh, one of the hardest things about us, about getting used people to use Zapier and continue to use Zapier is like, the, the competition is really apathy. It's people who like are doing, it's like people who are doing their job, right? They're like, and, and they, their job is like, okay, my job is to like sit here in front of this like software all day and copy and paste this data from like one tool to another. Yeah. And like, they don't know that there is something out there that can actually like automate that for them so that they don't have to do it. Um, and that's on like the low end, right? So it's just like getting users exposed to the concept that like automation exists, you know, that's still a fairly new concept to a lot of people. 
Um, it's one of the reasons I think we've been more successful in the business space is like, I think a lot of business professionals think about automation a little bit. It's a very like strong business topic. Um, but still, it's not universal. There's a lot of like small SMBs out there that have like never heard of this stuff and getting in front of them and teaching them that this is possible is like a, a difficult thing, a challenge for us. Um, and then like the very high end of the usage too, um, you know, uh, after you, if you are like a really strong power user of Zapier, um, you know, you tend like there is a somewhat today a natural cap on your usage just be, by nature of like, um, if you set up a really complex multi-step zap that's like 90 steps long, um, it, maybe there is a point at which it makes more sense to like write that in code, right? And like move that use case off Zapier. Right. Um, so looking at kind of those two areas, right? Like how, how can we get Zapier in front of more users um, and just so that they know that automation exists? And what we found that once we tell them it exists, they're usually very happy to like sign up and try it. Um, and then like looking at ways that we can keep users in the funnel for longer um, so that you, people don't feel like they have to go outside Zapier to like, you know, make, take that next step. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense for sure. Um, all right, Mike, we, we might, uh, we might wrap it up there. Any, uh, any closing thoughts on, um, on, on Zapier, on the marketing automation marketplace in general, kind of where you see the whole thing going? I know you guys, you guys kind of see, yeah. you guys kind of see the usage of all the tools in the back by how many people kind of are setting up Zaps. Can, can you guys kind of see trends as like, you know, these apps are becoming more and more and more popular and, um, kind of where the market's yeah, going? I think. One of, the, one of the most interesting trends, and I think really this is why Zapier has grown so much over the last five years and, and well, how we got the timing, you know, we lucked into getting the timing right, is uh, SaaS software is like not coalescing, basically. You know, you, you think about like suites of SaaS software around like the G Suite or the Microsoft Suite or Zoho. And while there are like those hubs of software out there, like SaaS software is exploding. Like in terms of the, the barrier to entry for like someone to create a piece of software that someone else can pay for and use on the internet has like decreased so much over the last five years. And that's going to continue. Um, and, and that's where like a tool like Zapier basically just has to exist, right? Because like you, those tools exist for a reason. They're usually super narrow. They're very, they're very specific to their niche and they just knock that like use case out of the park. And it's way better to like use one of those pieces of like narrow software that just knows their use case so well, you know, as opposed to one of the, like the suites of like Zoho, for example, where it, you know, it does everything to everyone, but it doesn't do anything like super great. Yeah. Uh, but like you might be somewhat happy with it. Um, so yeah, we just see the software world like just continuing that. That trend doesn't seem to be reversing. And like that's the waves after writing, because as long as that continues to be true, like you're going to need ways to like manage that kind of stuff um, and just to help you like do your job. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, you know, that's the big, that's the big horse race at the moment is the, you know, the kind of the all in one tool versus the, we're just going to be really good at this one thing, but we're going to make it super easy to integrate, you know? And I think that's where, you know, active, right. active campaign is kind of in that second camp and they're like, right, we're, we're good at these, you know, dozen things or whatever, but we're not going to try yep. and be all things to all people. We're not going to have a landing page builder and we're not going to have a shopping cart. We're not going to have all this other stuff, but yep. we're going to make it super easy to integrate by, you know, having a, a robust open API that anybody can hook into. So it's going to be interesting yeah, to see how, how that plays out between the kind of all, in, you know, we're an all-in-one tool versus the the open architecture, API architecture of everything else. Yeah. And I think you look at like the usage on Zapier, um, Active Campaign is like one of our like top 20, 25 apps on the entire product out of all 800. Right. And I think that's because they take like the exact right attitude, which is like, we're going to like nail the thing we do the best and like not worry about everything else. 
right? Like there's other better pieces of software out there that can handle like all these other pieces and these features and niches. Um, and I think that's why they've been successful, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, Mike. Well, thank you so much. Um, obviously, if people want to find out more about Zapier, they can head over to uh, zapier.com. Uh, and if they want to yep. uh, maybe reach out to you, where's the best place to do that? Uh, probably on Twitter, uh, which is twitter.com slash Mike Knoop. And I also have a personal website where I write about um, uh, operating Zapier, growing the company, um, scaling challenges and things like that, which is uh, mikeknoop.com. Awesome. Well, Mike, thanks so much for sharing your time with us. I uh, really appreciate it and look forward to seeing you online. Yeah, thank you, Barry. If you want to check out anything we mentioned in the show, head over to the show notes at theactivemarketer.com forward slash 76, and they'll all be there for you. And if you want to take your sales funnels and marketing automation to the next level, I would encourage you to check out the Active Marketer Academy over at activemarketeracademy.com. Inside, you'll find courses, tutorials, discounts, monthly training, masterclasses from uh, other marketers as well, all inside there along with a community of like-minded individuals just like you. So head over to activemarketeracademy.com and check it out. I'll be back next week when we're going to talk about uh, all the things uh, I got as takeaways from the recent Funnel Hacking Live event in Dallas. So we'll see you next week. In the meantime, get out there and design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Active Marketer Podcast. You can find the show notes and all the latest marketing automation news over at theactivemarketer.com.